I got to warn you, I don't know if God will do it right now, but when I was preparing this message and I was just reading just all the stuff on identity, I couldn't get through it for three hours. And the body's like still just shaking and vibrating from just that, that realization. Of what he did for us, what he did for me. We started talking about identity last week, how to fortify our identity because that's something that's just being tossed around. And I think we loosely know what it is. We know theologically what it is. We've heard it before. We've read it before. So I want to read some more about what this means. And I just pray that, that, our, that God finds a place in our heart to instill these truths so that they don't stay head knowledge, but so that they get planted within our hearts in a way that just rocks our world. Um, there is a, there's a physical identity and then there's a spiritual identity. Our physical identity, which is biology and genetics, we all have that. We've all come from a family, whether healthy or whole, broken, single. And our upbringing and our environment and where we are born and what people say around us, how people behave around us, how our parents are towards us, how parents are towards one another, it impacts our identity. It gives us filters that we begin to look at one another through. And we're, we're all born into that. We don't have a choice of where we're born. There's a spiritual identity as well. And the spiritual identity is divided into two parts. The first part is that we are born physically, right, biologically, genetics, but we're also at the same time born into Adam. And Adam is the first man God created. And if you haven't heard, he messed up bad. He blamed the wife. I won't say much more to that. But without a choice, we are also born and we step into this Adam spiritual identity. When God invades our life and we surrender ourselves to him, 
we changed our identity from being in Adam to being in Christ. Most of the time, our identity in Adam is guided and directed by our genetics, our biology, how we were raised. And we just become who we are. And the Adam man feeds into that, the lust of the flesh. What you see is what you get. And then Jesus comes and says, you guys are too broken and so I want to bring you out of that brokenness, out of that destructive family in Adam and put you into my family. And so we are in this position of either being in Christ or being in Adam. Some of us are in Christ, but our life screams that we are in Adam. And like I said last week, we have not wrestled with who we really are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 11. We read, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. I want you to say that. I have received an inheritance from God. Mind you, this is not an inheritance from your grandfather or from your father. Our eyes light up if someone leaves us something. And then when, when we find out what they left us, we may either get depressed or rejoice. When we hear that God has left us an inheritance, there seems to be no reaction. Have you noticed that? We're so familiar with this concept that it doesn't even sway us to explore what in the world does that mean. We keep reading, for he chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. If you are in Christ, he makes everything work out according to his plan. Say, my plan, out the window. That's Adam's plan. He can keep it. But do we really want to give up our plan? What would it mean that we threw our plan out the window? He makes everything work out for 
in accordance to his plan. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews, and this is Paul writing, so he's referring to himself being a Jew. He says, we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. By the Jews trusting God, they're bringing praise and glory to God. But we throw away, oh, trust in God. And this may not be you. I'm just speaking for where I'm at. So y'all chill if you get offended. Um, He says, first to the Jews in Christ who would bring praise and glory to God. And now to you Gentiles, which is you and I, unless you're Jewish. He's saying, now to you, you who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we fail to understand that when we surrender our life to God, he in return gives us himself. Do you comprehend what that means? He makes himself accessible to you who have not even had a chance to change your life. And he just didn't do it. Randomly or spontaneously. It says at the tail end of verse 13. He gives us the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. By saving you and me, he is fulfilling a promise when he gives us his spirit. We have done nothing yet. Verse 14, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance to be his own people. For us to be his own people, he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Verse 15, ever since, Paul writes, I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand, because you don't understand, the confident hope he has given to those he called. And watch this. His holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance? This just messed me up. God is saying... Paul is writing, he's saying, look, 
When you said yes to God, he has given you his spirit whom he promised long ago. He's fulfilling his promise. So you are receiving an inheritance present term now today. And then he continues to say, and you will also receive an inheritance come future. But he's not done. And then he says this. And then he says, not only that, you are his inheritance too. Wait a minute, is God saying that we are his inheritance or that we have received his inheritance or that we will receive his inheritance? All of it. All of it. The answer is all of it. We have received and we will receive and we are his inheritance. You are his inheritance. Maybe some of you are thinking, huh, God definitely got the short end of the stick. Maybe some of you are thinking even something more deeper to say, what, what would God want with me? He, I, am, I am part of his inheritance Would you give yourself to someone else as an inheritance? Be honest. Would they receive you as an inheritance? <laughs> we are a part of God's portion. He calls us his. He says that we are part of his inheritance. We have been chosen. We have been adopted into his family. We have been redeemed through the payment of a ransom price through the death of Christ. God has claimed us for his own, his inheritance, his heritage, his portion. Later on, he writes that we are his treasured possessions. Now, if you're honest with yourself, your default mind can say, yeah, not me. Who can be honest? Not, yeah, not, not, not me. And if your mind goes there, that means that you don't know who you are. If it bothers you that God is claiming you as his inheritance... It's because you don't know your true value and worth. I was stunned when I read that. I had to read it again and again. Like, I, I am part of his inheritance. We as his people, 
how much he values us. Because the thing that you want to leave people with is the best. You don't want to give them garbage. And yet, so many of us think of ourselves as that. And it could be because of your physical identity. Maybe your parents have never spoken a positive word around your life. Maybe they never encouraged you. Maybe they always put you down and verbally and physically. Maybe they abused you and that's all you've known. And on top of that, you're, you're, you're born into this Adam guy that you already hate. You may not even know who he is, but you already hate him. And this news is like maybe weird for you. But see, all humanity is not God's inheritance. Only those who are his are. Think about that. That means that you can be walking with someone and they are not his inheritance, but you are. Meaning that they are on their way to be separated from him for eternity. And we are not. And you are not. And the gravity of that thought should make us pay attention to those who are around us. Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul's writing and talking about the physical death. And I was going to read that, but I figured y'all can read it on your own. You will read it on your own, right? Second Corinthians chapter 5, no one's writing it down. We'll text it to you. Starting in verse 11, because we understood our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. And he's writing to the church in, in Corinth. Verse 12, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Verse 13, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Yeah, that's in there. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way. Christ's love controls, and some versions say compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. But instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. How much freedom will you have when you and I stop evaluating people from the human perspective? And how much of the things that people do who evaluate us from a human perspective, how much of that would mean nothing to us? Unless we're latched on to that Adam fella. Then it means a lot. You say, what? You looked at me wrong. I'm hurt and I'm offended. 
I'm never going to go to church again. I'm never going to read my Bible again. Church is full of hypocrites. And we go on to this rampage of living in this place that Jesus said, why are you doing that? I paid for it all. I paid for a pathway out of your condition. It's there. And yet many times we choose to remain where we are and then we blame God. It's amazing. And we also blame people. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Or is it? He's speaking to those who are in Christ. He's saying, look, we all know the old man is gone, right? And the new life, and this is crazy because the new life has begun. There is a launching pad for your life in Christ. That means that what you once were, you no longer are. And I understand there will be people around you who will continue to bring up who you once were. Because they're looking through the human lens. And Satan's trying to distract us and destroy us, hoping that we pay attention to these things. No, I'm in Christ. I'm a new man. The old is gone. The new is here to stay. Like it or you can leave. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. What has he given us? The task of reconciling people to him. Wow. Many of us would not know how to reconcile people because we are not reconciled ourselves. He's given us this gift, this task, this mission. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. He's not just like, hey, you're my inheritance. Now go in the corner so no one sees you. He's like, no, come. Come, I want everyone to see you because I want you to represent who I am. I want you to be the voice, my voice for those around you. I want you to begin to look at people through the spiritual lens and not the physical lens. I want you to be able to see their lostness, their brokenness, and know that the only one who can fix them is Jesus. And he's saying, look, bring my people. 
let me put them on the display. And you know what? Further on it says that at the end of it all, God's going to put his people on display so that everyone will see those who are his. He's saying that he is a proud father. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal to people who are not part of his family through you and me and our mouths are shut. I don't know why he ain't saved. Let me ask the pastor to pray for him. Then you get around him. Mm. God's like, I'm trying to use your mouth. But I know why. Many times we don't believe the things that God has said about us. And so whatever is in us, we're afraid that it will come out. I got to keep reading. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be offered for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I think some of the weightiness of what it costs for us to be part of his family, we miss because it required perfect blood to purchase us back, to redeem us. How we see ourselves is what we will project on others. And so how people see themselves, they will also project it on you. This is why people will continually have your past dangling in front of you. Because they have their past dangling in front of them. They will project things on you because that's how they see themselves. They will project that you're worthless because they themselves don't see worth in them. And God is saying, stop seeing through the words that they're talking at at you and, and screaming at you and see beyond that and look into the brokenness and understand that I have given you the authority to be the one to reconcile them to me. Father, give us ears to hear. Let our heart be so tender If people are bound, they will bind you. Our identity has been established in the mind of God before we were even conceived. It's fair to say that we came through our parents, but we came from the Lord. We are made in the image of God, and the attack on us is an attack on God's image. And so it's, it's critical for Satan to know that if we find out who we truly are and receive it and walk it out, he's lost. He's lost. He got nothing on you. 
So he keeps dangling your past. He keeps dangling your mistakes. He keeps dangling all the things that God has freed you from. The hang-up is, is that if we are holding on to the old Adam, we will never be able to receive Christ. In order for us to receive and to be in Christ, we have to release the old Adam. But we're trying to receive and hold on at the same time. You're still thinking about who you used to be, so you cannot receive who you truly are. We have to release the old and receive the new. What are you holding on to in Adam that is keeping you from receiving that which is in Christ? You're still holding on to it. It's your baby. It's part of your identity. So a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, the promises of God, are they true in us? The fact that we are loved, is it true in you? You're valued. Is it true for you? Is it true in you? You are seen. You are accepted. You have no shame. You are free from your past. You have grace and mercy, justice. You no longer are a slave. You're an heir. You are forgiven. You are restored. You are redeemed. You are truly free. You are empowered to represent Christ. Are you receiving who God says you are? Who God created you to be? That is like a stronghold in our life that God is eager for us to release and receive him. He's eager because it's just going to launch you into the destiny that God has ordained for you. Is what you think of yourself lining up with what God says about you? I love this little quote that Farron wrote down once. He says that the evidence that I am made new, the proof that I'm redeemed, is that the Bible says it. The Holy Spirit confirms it. And the fruit of my life proves it. When you know that you are loved and you and I receive the love of the Father, we are free from people because 
we have nothing to prove to them. We have nothing that we need from them. We have received everything from Christ and we're allowing this identity to begin to take root in our life. And so, oh man, there's a beautiful story of Gideon that I can't touch on right now. But here's, I, just, I, I want everyone to just close their eyes, open hands in front of you. Your left hand is your old life. It's an atom. Your right hand represents your new life in Christ. So I want you to be honest with yourself and answer this question by making a fist if it's true that you're an Adam in this or in Christ. Simple ones. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are seen. You're valued. You have been redeemed. You belong to a family. You have an inheritance. You are an inheritance. The past has no hold on you. You are free from sin. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. God has a purpose for your life. You have a future. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. Holy Spirit, do your work in your people. Without your power, without your presence, these are just words that will fall flat. Father, we acknowledge that we don't feel worth it. We don't feel valued. We don't feel like we deserve anything that you have done for us. And we ask that you forgive us that we see the price that you paid with such little value. So God, we acknowledge that we don't feel like we're worth it, but we thank you because you say we are. So God, we receive all that you have for us. God, I pray that your truth gets planted within each one of our hearts. 
and you know we're, we're about to worship some more I just want to with for some of you just praying this you're able to release some of these lies that you have been believing the lies that you have been living under so for some of you you just have to go out and just just worship God and let all those things just fall off of you for others you just gotta pray spend time with God and let God begin to work in and through you for others you, you may need someone to just walk with you to pray with you maybe you want to ask a question maybe you just maybe you're confused about something so we want to open up this moment for God's presence to do a work in your life we're gonna have our ministry team in the back where the cross is I would like everyone to just rise and stand Turn to your neighbor and say you are worth it. And if you're by yourself, find somebody. Find somebody to say, just tell them you are worth it. Tell them God told me to tell you you are worth it. Tell them that you have a future. Tell them in Jesus' name you are released from your past. Go ahead, find someone. Go ahead, Andy. I see you. Go ahead. Buddy, you need it. We love you. I need it. Please love me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell them the things that God has already spoken over them about. Tell them you are seen. Go ahead. Say, God sees you. God knows your innermost secret places. God knows your sicknesses and diseases and he wants to heal you. God sees your broken relationships and he wants to mend them God sees your broken heart and he wants to come in and repair it sometimes it's so hard for us to say it because we don't really believe it and God is saying please believe me believe me believe me I'm faithful everything I've ever said will come to pass it will come to pass. He declared it and we rally behind it and we can bet everything on it.